0: Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Lockdown Pirates podcast, your Pittsburgh Pirates podcast of choice. My name is Jason Rollison. In addition to this podcast, you can find me these days primarily on the pages of BucksDugout.com and at, on Twitter, at Rolison, PGH. Uh Well, the Pirates lost a series to the Cardinals by a series score of 2-1. Lost a very winnable game today, 2-1, uh, to one, wasting a great start from Trevor Williams. And after the dust has settled, the Pirates now... Are five games back of a wild card, but what I want to talk about today is how now there is absolutely zero margin of error for Clint Hurdle. We mentioned that the Pirates are five back, but what's happened is that the Cardinals and the Nationals have both gone 7-3 and three in their last 10 games to jump ahead of the Pirates. Both are now, correction, uh, Washington is four and a half back of the wild card, while St. Louis is only four back. Uh, and the, the Nationals leapfrogging the Pirates should really scare you because let's think back, you know, two weeks ago, the Nationals looked like a team that were left for dead. There was even talk about trading Bryce Harper. goes to show you how much can happen in the span of seven to ten days in baseball. And now the Pirates will go to Colorado and face a team that is ahead of them in the standings for the wild card. Colorado is two and a half back. So this series is absolutely critical. And it is absolutely critical for Clint Hurdle to manage to that reality. That means, of course, I'm sure many fans would agree, no Sean Rodriguez starts um, playing the hot hand. David Freeze did not start today. There has been some scuttlebutt that he's dealing with a minor injury, but still. Um, he has been playing the hot hand at Adam Frazier, and that needs to continue. And someone on Twitter actually had a great suggestion today, and that is to start Frazier over Harrison. I think that's one of the moves, no-brainers, that Clint can push. One of the no-brainer buttons that Clint can push. To really just keep hot hands in the lineup because every single game is critical, especially this three-game against the Rockies. Anytime you have a chance to really either overtake a team ahead of you in the, in the postseason standings, or maybe even just bring back bring them back within a half game of Colorado, um, that's you have to take that opportunity. And the Nationals, if I'm a Pirates fan, the Nationals getting their stuff together really scares me. The pitching that they still have, even with Strasburg having an up and down season in terms of health. You still have Max Schurz, you still have Gio Gonzalez, who can put together you know, a string of Gio Gonzalez-type starts. They have Tanner Roark, who, although his stats are a little off this year, is definitely what I, what I would think to be one of the underrated starters in the National League. And if Hellickson can give you something, they have a very good pitching staff, even when they're waiting for Strasburg to come back from the DL, which is expected to be in the middle of August. On the offensive side of the ball, Harper is going to be what Harper is, but you also have Trey Turner starting to get back into things, Adam Eaton starting to slowly get back into things, Um, So if they start to click, they can be a very formidable team. And, you know, out of nowhere, like I said, uh, back in the hunt. So since the Rockies series is so important, let's dive a little bit deeper into that. Now, the first game will feature Joe Musgrove going up against lefty Kyle Freeland. I put on Twitter a little bit ago that in addition to this, uh, quote, injury, unquote, for Freeze, part of the reason he might not be playing is that today, being Sunday, is because Clint Hurdle is going to save him for tomorrow, so he can absolutely play in the first game of the series against the Rockies, which is you know, equally as important as the Cardinals series. But David Freeze is one of only uh, let's see about six Pirates regulars who have a, a WRC plus weighted runs created plus that's higher than the league average of 100 against, against left-handers. Uh, he comes in with a the fourth highest on the team at a 117 rating. In case you're wondering, Elias Diaz carries a 181 rating. Sean Rodriguez carries a 123 rating for second best, so maybe we'll expect to see him also. Um, uh, Freeze, as I said, Dickerson, Mercer, Bell, Cervelli, all above average. Polanco right there at 98, starting Marte at 83, which are obviously not going to take him out of the lineup. So expect to see David Freeze tomorrow at first base for sure. Um, and maybe that's the right move, get back into, a, into course field against lefties, which he sees very well and maybe get him going again, which would be a a big boost for the club. In the end though, this series may just be decided on pitching. Uh, Joe Musgrove starts in the opener, and then I believe Jameson Tyon in the second game, and then Chris Archer uh, in the third game. second start with the Pirates should be very interesting to watch. Of course, all eyes will be on him for that game. Um, But here's something that may work in the Pirates' favor. So all three of those guys, Musgrove, Tyon, and of course Archer, throw sliders quite a bit. Um, Musgrove less than the other two. He likes to set up his fastball on all four quadrants of the zone. Uh, Alex Stumpf has written some great pieces about how Musgrove uses all of his types of fastballs in all quadrants of the, jo- of the zone. But maybe he'll want to feature the slider a little bit more because the Rockies have the 14th best WOBA weighted on base average against the slider in the league this year at the 264 uh, rate. Middle of the pack, but uh, definitely not what you would call an offensive powerhouse. Maybe if the Pirates can set up their fastball uh, and get that slider moving, and that bodes well for the bullpen as well, um, maybe they can take advantage of some over-eagerness from the Rockies, uh, some bad performance against the slider from the Rockies, and maybe take that first game, which would be critical to winning the series, of course. Um, you know It's hard to take a three-game sweep against a quality team. Don't tell the Brewers. But if the Pirates can win the series, they'll be uh, only half a half game back of that team. They'll have to see what they can do against the Cardinals and Nationals and see how they do. Obviously. So, before we go any further, I want to mention that Locked On Pirates is still looking for advertisers to hop aboard our pirate ship here. The nice thing about Locked On is we also have a Locked On Steelers podcast, which is extremely popular. So, you know, it's August. Uh, you're hearing the sound of pads coming from La Trobe as the, pirate, as the uh, Steelers open camp. So, if you're interested in, in advertising Locked On Lockdown Pirates, maybe we can also work in a package deal with some Locked On Steelers advertising as well. So, rates are very good. Uh ROI is fantastic from the fact that we are a multiple times per week podcast, so please get in touch with me, and again, on Twitter, at jrollisonpgh, or email jrollison at gmail.com. Well, this wasn't going to be a mailbag uh, episode, um, but I put out a call on Twitter, and you guys responded, so we have some questions to dig into, so let's get right to it. These all come from Twitter, and the first one is at Tanner Yoho underscore. And he asks a pretty good question, actually, who are the five infield starters in two years? Well, that's tough. So I'm going to say, um, I you know I just saw Kabarian Hayes, I was in the curve yesterday, uh, excuse me, Friday, uh, catching a game and, and talking to some guys in the clubhouse afterwards. And Hayes has really done everything he can do to stay on track of his development, doing everything the organization asks him to starting to grow a little bit of game power too, not much, but a little bit of game power. He was always, a more of a complete hitter tool rather than a power tool. Um, I think you can pencil him in a start for third base, say at the beginning of the 2020 season at the very latest. Um, Colin Moran, I'm going to be writing about him for bucks this week. Um, he has really kind of shaken the faith of the organization. The organization had him to the effect that they wanted to include him in the Garrett Cole trade. And there's quite a few reasons for that, but uh, we'll talk about that more this week. I think Hayes has more upside than Moran at this point. I truly do. Definitely more athleticism, uh, better footwork, uh, Moran can make the throws and so can Hayes, but I think if all things being equal, maybe Moran has a little more raw power, but I think Hayes can get there a little close to him in game power as, as the years go on, and I think he'll take the plus defense over. Uh, if there's a deciding factor, I think it would be the plus defense. So uh, for the middle infield, I'm going to say Kevin Newman plus question mark, and I'm going to cop out here absolutely, but I think the club still might not be as convinced about Kevin Kramer as some of us in the media are. And also I have to think that I really do think that one of the players to be named later in the Rays deal is going to be one of Kevin Kramer or Kevin Newman. Um, It kind of makes sense when you think about it, why the Rays want to see this out a little more and and maybe make a decision a little later. Newman and Kramer, uh, Newman can play second and short. Kramer can play second and maybe a little bit of first base down the road as well. I think they can both play second base, and I think that might be something the Rays are trying to decide. If they would like to go shortstop slash second baseman route with Newman, or perhaps on the right side, of the left side of the infield with uh, with uh, Kramer and perhaps playing him at first, I really do think one of those two are as good as gone. I truly feel that. So, and then the first base, I'm going to say uh, it's still going to be Josh Bell. I mean, the organization has put quite a bit of faith, quite a bit of development into him, backed by their faith in that he could be a solid defender there, at the very least, maybe not a plus defender but enough that you will definitely like his hit tool at, at the first at the base spot. And I think the, the time they've spent in him, they've invested in him is really going to make him just a de facto starter for at least another two years. At Chris Kumar 7 writes, who has the brighter future in two years, uh, Meadows or Hearn? It's kind of interesting we're going by a two-year window here. As nice as you want to point to Taylor Hearn and say it's nice to have a left-handed starter who can touch you know mid to high 90s on the fastball and maybe get a. Uh, some good breaking stuff in there as well. I think the answer is still going to be Austin Meadows. He's a middle-of-the-order lineup bat. Um, maybe he doesn't have enough power that many people would like. But uh, if you actually read uh, Fangraph's David L'Orell, who writes great Sunday Notes columns, uh, has some stuff on Archer this week. And he's going to be just a solid all-around hitter. And I think, just like Hayes, I think there will be some game power to develop there as well. At R E R C. I hope I said that right, I E R A C I. who runs the great Green Weenie blog. Please check it out, oldbucks.blogspot.com. A lot of teeth gnashing about the bench and middle relievers. Any thoughts on who's at Indy that should be here? And part B of his question, is everyday play development a good excuse? You know, personally, I've always thought that the everyday play development is more for position players than anybody else. With pitchers, you know, you still have to go up and execute your pitches no matter what level you're playing at. Um, So I think that... With that being said, I think Clay Holmes deserves to be back up here. Whether it's a long man role or maybe sneaking in for a spot start here there, he needs to be up here. I think he's earned that right. Um, That last start he had when he was up in the majors was really encouraging, the way his sinker played. So I'm going to say maybe give him a shot at the long man. I know this organization has high faith in Casey Sadler, who was brought up again, uh, Alex McCray sent down today. Uh, But I think Clay Holmes brings you a little bit more of an edge Uh, That sinker, as I mentioned, is pretty damn good right now. So I'd like to see uh, the club bring up Holmes and just be done with it. As far as the bench, you know, Clint Huntington has really drilled it into our heads that uh, Kevin Newman is ready. And like I said, Kevin Kramer is just about ready. I think when you saw Adam Frazier come back up, I think that's the play. That's the only feasible quasi-everyday player that can come from AAA right now. Um, So that's my answer I'm sticking to it. The unfortunately named at the deck the cards uh, says, still a ways to go, but do you move Cervelli this offseason? If you would have asked me this a week ago, maybe I would have said yes, but Cervelli's playing first base now. I don't know if you heard, and he looks okay there. Uh, I think that's a good way to get his bat in the lineup along with Diaz. Now the counterpoint to everything with Cervelli that you almost have to start the conversation with is his health. He is quickly becoming not an everyday catcher anymore. And maybe this move to first base will prolong his bat a little bit in the major leagues, maybe before they have to ship him off to an AL team. Everyone's always looking for catching help. Um, I think you pick up the option with Cervelli. Actually, it's not even an option, I don't think. I think you roll into Cervelli with next year, and there will always be a demand for catcher at the trade deadline if you want to do something. Uh, we didn't really see a big-name catcher go this year, but there will be demand. It's, it's quite often that happens. So I think you roll with it and see how much first base he can play. Makes a pretty good compliment over there uh, to Josh Bell, and I think that's a great way to keep his bat in the lineup. At Spazzy underscore Grant says, what does Chris Archer need to do to be successful in Pittsburgh? Is it okay if I say trust his fastball a little more? One thing I noticed when watching his first start, and this we later found out was instructed and requested by Ray Searidge, was that he threw pretty much uh, so many sliders. Um, and that's his pitch. No, you know, let's not get it twisted. He... Made his name on that pitch and will continue to make his name on that pitch. But I think if the fastball can play a little better, a little more control, I think he can serve that slider quite a bit. And I've, I'm I'm harking back to what Ray series did with Jay Happ in 2015. Uh, in 2015, took told the to Happ when he first came to the Pirates, he said, "Here's all we should do for the first couple starts, and then we're going to really dig in." And that's what they did. Now the luxury that the Pirates had at times—they were on their way to a 98 win season, so they weren't in such a desperation mode as these 2018 Pirates are. So I wonder what what Ray Sears is going to want to dig into with Archer. And I really think that you're not going to see him suddenly throw more changeups. It's just not him. Uh, you may see it tick up a little bit, but I think what's going to happen is keep your eye on the quadrants that Archer throws his fastball to, followed by where he throws his slider. I think they're going to try to just go back to the little basics and set, set up a, a change in the eye level, you know, simple changes in velocity – that aren't necessarily a changeup and maybe, you know, see what goes on from there. But to answer your question, I think just trust this fastball a little bit more and let the slider play off of that. Uh, at MLB412, underscore 412, is my question today. If Harrison's option doesn't get picked up after this season, which I think it shouldn't, is Kevin Kramer the player who starts at second base next season or do they go the free agent route? Maybe someone like Azdruble Cabrera. Man, I really wish the Pirates would have picked up Azdruble Cabrera. I really like his bad multiple positions. Um, just getting it done and the free agent after this season. The problem with Esribo Cabrera specifically is he may be looking for another payday at age 32. He'll be entering his age 33 season next year. Uh, We'll see how his market plays out, but that'll be a great addition, I believe. I kind of alluded to this earlier, but I think that it might be Kevin Newman to start the season next year. Um, I also agree with you that I think Harrison's option maybe should be picked up. Then again, if, if they do that, the Pirates will have a lot of money to spend and you know, might be leery of getting in and making such a huge commitment to a player that's going to be in this amazing free agent class. So maybe they just roll with Harris and maybe deal with midseason. Um, but it's either going to be Newman or like a mid-level free agent. Uh, maybe his dribble, Cabrera, his market comes back to him being a mid-level guy. Don't necessarily see that, but that's what you're looking at. So I'm going to stop there for today. Uh, this week we're going to have a great slate of podcasts for you. Um, got some stuff from the Altoona Curve on Friday. Some stuff from their manager, Mike Ryan, on what Will Craig needs to do to get consistency despite his amazing and gaudy RBI totals. Uh, Some talk with uh, Brian Reynolds as well. Um, And Alex and Noah are going to be back with the River Blast podcast and working on getting some special guests this week for you guys as well. So I really want to thank you for subscribing and listening. If you haven't already, please tell a friend or leave a review. That really helps us out. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks.